I would try to sort of build up my reserves when I'd be out hiking, when I'd be training for the Grand Canyon or when I'd, where I'd be biking uh, and sort of try to remember the incredible beauty and the, and the uh, opportunity to be active that I had and draw on that at times of needs and surgery. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Today, we are delighted on the Neurosurgery Podcast to be joined by Robert Spetzler. Now, anybody who knows anything about neurosurgery doesn't need uh, to be introduced to Dr. Spetzler. He's obviously the founder of the Barrow Neurological Institute, along with Volker Sontag. He's known around the world for his uh, amazing skills as a uh, skull-based vascular and cranial surgeon. Dr. Spetzler, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure. Great, great. So we know that, you know, we could spend days talking to you about intracranial surgery or how you've built the BNI or about the business of neurosurgery and all these different things. But today what we wanted to spend some time talking about is physical fitness and, uh, and neurosurgery. And, and the reason uh, we chose this topic is because it, it's almost legendary what you and Volker have built at the BNI. And, um, you know, the, the whole concept of how you not only build teams and camaraderie, uh, but also, I guess, you know, sort of challenge people to be better. So can you give us a little insight on what it's like at the BNI and, and how this came to be that you guys are so into? Uh, it's not just fitness. It's like the outdoors and the team efforts and all the things you do together that are physical in nature. Uh, yeah, thank you, Michael. Uh, first, let me make a correction. Um, Dr. Sontag and I did not uh, find or found the Bear Neurological Institute, that was really the brainchild of uh, Dr. John Green. And uh, Mr. Barrow, who donated money, and Sister Placida, who uh, provided uh, the space for them to build the building. But on the physical fitness, uh, I, I really um, needed to compensate for the intensity that was required for the complex surgery that we did day in and day out a uh, physical outlet and for me that was uh, either jogging or playing tennis or heli skiing and uh, when Volker Sontag joined me at the BNI I recruited him at the recommendation of Ben Stein, who was uh, one of my uh, big skiing buddies. Uh, he shared this uh, love for physical exercise. He was a great basketball player. He was a great runner. Uh, uh, he, he truly was an, an excellent athlete. So when we had Neil Martin here as my very first fellow, uh, and Neil Martin was in training 
to do an Ironman and then uh, to climb Mount Everest. Uh, we talked about what we could do in the future. And it was really Neil Martin and Volker who started the BNI Olympics. And the BNI Olympics were basically where we took a team of residents to UCLA or Neil Martin and his cohort brought the residents over here and we would have a weekend of intense physical exercise uh, competition that uh, really went from running to uh, basketball to uh, soccer, uh, tennis, every sport that you could imagine. And by the end, by the time the weekend was over, uh, everybody was exhausted and uh, hopefully most were able in an and in a condition to go back to work on Monday. Um, when I got to Phoenix, uh, one of the first things I did was is take my young family, my two children, uh, ages, uh, I think probably eight and nine or nine and 10, and my wife, Nancy, who also shared this uh, love of physical exercise, and we explored Arizona. And one of the hikes that we found was down the uh, North uh, Oak Creek Canyon. And that is a hike that is uh, probably around 14 miles. It starts off with a barren trail and then uh, just goes down a creek bed. And in it, there are areas where you have to swim for uh, maybe 50 feet in very, very cold water. And uh, when I found that, in an, in an obscure little uh, ASU uh, magazine. Uh, we were the only ones going down there. My parents dropped us off and uh, we uh, got to the first hole and swam across. And then I brought my kid across and then I brought another kid across. And by the second time I had a swim across, I thought to myself, oh my God, what have I gotten us into? because we had absolutely no idea what was in front of us. Well, needless to say, we made it out completely exhausted, but that was a hike that was so memorable that we started doing it every year with the residents. So the next year that was started, and I think it might've been Lynn Sontag that uh, titled it The Hike From Hell. And very similarly, um, uh, Nancy and I got invited to, to cross the Grand Canyon very early after we got there. And that was such a spiritually, physically exhausting, but, but, but incredibly beautiful uh, hike that that became an annual event as well. I, I've done it uh, 35 times. Uh, and uh, it was a pilgrimage for the uh, residents and the attendings. And we've had visitors from all over the world that would come to the BNI symposium. And then that Saturday, we would do the hike. So that's sort of where it came from. Uh, on the weekends, we got into uh, volleyball, and uh, there was a court at my house. And uh, the residents and the attendings would come, and we would play uh, every weekend. On uh, that was a Sunday event on Saturday, a group of us, uh, quite a few uh, residents, depending on their zest for biking, we would go mountain biking or road biking. Um, and uh, that was uh, an incredibly good way to create camaraderie. 
to recognize uh, people outside of the work environment, which uh, was critical in cementing relationships that went uh, beyond work. So, Dr. Spetzer, let's, that's great that you correct me on that because I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the history of the BNI is uh, is important as a as a documentation of neurosurgery in America. Um, and I was born in Scottsdale, Arizona, so I kind of understand what you're talking about. But many of our listeners may have never traveled to the Grand Canyon. Maybe they're from outside the U.S. Give us some concept of what it's like to hike down the old canyon road into the Grand Canyon and swim across this river. Give us give us some metrics on this and what it means. Well, the Grand Canyon, uh, because of its depth, which is basically a mile down uh, from the south out to the south side to the very bottom, and an extra thousand feet on the north side, goes through goes through obviously incredible times of where the rock is exposed from from ancient times and also uh, the uh, the indians um, had places in the canyon uh, where they had their corn and they harvested and stored it because of the dry climate and the access to water uh, you don't really swim across uh, the river. Uh, there are two small narrow bridges that allow you to go across. And it's about a 23, depending on which route you take, about a 23 mile hike with at least one mile change in uh, elevation. I can't tell you the number of people that have done this hike with us that have expressed to me that it has changed their life, that it was a profound experience, that it was more than just the physical exertion, but seeing the absolute beauty of the Grand Canyon made a permanent impact. And naturally for the for our visitors from Asia or Europe, um, for them it was particularly meaningful because uh, they traveled far and never knew whether they would get their uh, money's worth and were overwhelmed uh, with the experience that they uh, had. Many of them returned year after year. Wow, Dr. Spetzer, as a uh, native Floridian myself who's never seen the canyon, hearing your description makes me want to visit even more. Um, You know, you, you started this conversation saying that the physical activity at the level in which you would engage in it was kind of an outlet for you in contrast to your experiences in the operating room. To kind of invert that, if you will, in what way throughout your career did you find that this exercise and the mental or spiritual joy that you found in exploring nature affected the way that you operated, affected your mindset during surgeries and while you were on the job? Uh, John, that's that's a very good point because um, I would try to sort of build up my reserves when I'd be out hiking, when I'd be training for the Grand Canyon or when I, where I'd be biking uh, and sort of try to remember the incredible beauty and the, and the uh, opportunity to be active that I had and draw on that at times of needs and surgery. Um, I, I took my, 
obligation to my um, patients very, very seriously. And even though I had a very quiet external demeanor, uh, their well-being was uh, my number one concern. And as any neurosurgeon well knows, you can be on top of the world and the next patient may just bring you down into the uh, deepest depression uh, because you weren't able to help them. So this, this physical exercise, this uh, hiking uh, all over Arizona, really all over the United States, uh, the, the skiing, the heli skiing, these were all um, ways to compensate for um, the stress of our profession. I mean, Dr. Spetzler, it's amazing what you do, and it, it is truly legendary. I know Miami and the BNI are always battling it out in the in the softball uh, game. Do you play that, by the way, or is it just Volker? Uh, I, I do not play that, but I I didn't realize that uh, Miami was even in the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan, Alan Levy and Jacques Marcos aren't going to want to hear that. But, you know, it is interesting because in Miami, uh, both our chair and, and vice chair, uh, Alan Levy and Jacques Marcos, respectively, spent fellowships at the BNI. So we've sort of inherited this sort of watered down concept of what you and Volker have have built so strongly there in Phoenix. And so it's an amazing thing. So let me ask you as a guy who's sort of the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, I believe in fitness, but I always get worried about being hurt. And And one of my um, colleagues, Rex Marco, who's a orthopedic spine surgeon at uh, MD Anderson, actually, I think it was last year, was uh, paralyzed on a bike accident. And so when we live on the edge and doing these very intense activities, and obviously you've come through this unscathed. Do you have, do you ever have any concerns about that? Do you have, like, do you tell the residents, listen, don't push yourself too hard? Or do you feel like people really should go for the gusto and, and get to the, the limit of their physical and mental capabilities? Yeah, this is, this is really a uh, interesting problem. And you can either make sure that you have the minimum amount of risk of hurting yourself and i'm not sure that that really works very well or you could just ignore it altogether it's it's of interest to me because of the positions i held at the bni the administration wanted um, to have um, extra insurance on my well-being uh, including uh, any sort of uh, physical uh, injury um, I declined that because that's not how I live. That's not my philosophy. And yet I had a very personal experience um, that made me question that whole concept. Uh, my uh, younger brother, who was an, or is an orthopedist, five years younger, uh, was also a bicycle enthusiast. And uh, he goaded me into entering the longest sanctioned uh, bike race uh, in the world. And that is called the Lodoja, L-O-T. And it basically goes from Logan, Utah to Jackson Hole, Wyoming with three mountain passes in between. Wow. And it's 207 miles long, all in one, uh, in one stretch. Uh, you obviously have a SAG vehicle and you have uh, stops in between to grab food. Um, but it's, it, it was a little over uh, 10 hours. 
uh, of uh, of hard exertion to make it. And when we finished the race, it was an incredible euphoric moment. Not so much uh, that we did well, but the fact that we finished and um, uh, it was such a hard physical uh, challenge. Two months later, I get a call uh, from my brother's son. And what had happened is that my uh, brother had written down, he lived in Virginia, written down a small road right behind the house. Uh, his uh, back brakes had not been readjusted so that they're working. They were just uh, in the shop. And in the old days, you had to you had to fix them so they would grab again because you had to loosen them to get the tires off. Anyway, he crashed at the bottom of a steep hill, landed upside down in a little creek, and was uh, quadriplegic. He uh, oh my god! His nose and mouth were above the water line, and uh, twenty minutes, twenty five minutes later, a neighbor found him, and uh, he has recovered to the point where he can walk with crutches um, uh, maybe maybe 30, 40 feet, uh, but he's obviously devastatingly incapacitated. But what is so striking to me is that if you would meet him, you would never think that this has happened to him. There is not a negative thought. Uh, he smiles. The fact is he still teaches at a medical school. He goes in and helps the government with uh, chart reviews. Uh, he lives a very full life. So uh, there are a lot of lessons there. Um, obviously, check check your brakes. Um, uh, but also, whatever happens to you, uh, take the part of the glass that's half full rather than half empty. Wow, Dr. Spetzler, um, hearing that story, our, our hearts obviously go out to your brother and, and your entire family. Um, thinking about, as you said, the, the lessons that can be gleaned from an experience like that, how, how does that story and in general your own love and, and enthusiasm for physical activity and, and engaging in the healthy activity of your own body, how do all those experiences color your interaction with patients? who, especially with neurosurgical disease of, of all medical specialties, can frequently have physical impairments uh, that limits their own healthy function. I think uh, the importance of that is that you have a, a tool from your experience uh, with, my, with my brother that lets me identify to some degree um, the agonizing problems that many of our patients uh, uh, face. So I think it, 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 it allows maybe a little more uh, compassion, a uh, ability to touch their concerns better. Uh, I think uh, it allows you uh, to understand slightly more what they are going through. I am reminded of a, uh, a, a young woman from England uh, who uh, became the medical editor actually of the London Times. Um, Bonsoir, she 
had a brainstem cavernous malformation, had three bleeds, uh, came over and we took it out and she ended up doing well. And she wrote this book, which is called Dipped in Oblivion. And uh, it's, it's actually uh, uh, available on Amazon. What she related is such a profound reminder of what our patients go through where we, as, where we see this day in and day out, and we may become immune to some degree, her book reminds you again of how incredibly um, important this interaction with a neurosurgeon is, uh, what they face, what to them is overwhelming. And we need to be reminded of that, and uh, she does that extremely well. Well, Dr. Spetzer, I, I want to thank you on behalf of our listeners for sharing the story of your brother. I just actually looked it up, and, and you're absolutely right about everything you said and um, all the numerous lessons that lie in, in, in what you've already told us about that and uh, in your message of positivity. So, you know, going along those lines, many of our listeners are younger, and, and the BNI is admittedly, uh, in some ways, uh, legendary in this respect, and it can be very intimidating for people who maybe, you know, they weren't college or high school athletes or whatever. What kind of advice do you give to the to the young budding neurosurgeon who spent most of their time studying and and working and doing those sorts of things about how to how to get into this lifestyle that you're telling us about this 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 philosophy of of self care and excellence and and competitiveness. How, how do you start that even? It, it can be daunting, right? To just get into it. Uh, Michael, the last thing I would want to um, urge somebody to do something that they're not comfortable with. Uh, when I talk about uh, physical exercise and these sort of adventures, um, the mountains we climbed, etc. Everybody has to find what allows them to compensate for the stress of their profession. It does, it does not have to be um, what, uh, what I do. Uh, there's music, there's art, um, all of which I also uh, I'm, I'm very fond of and, and helps me personally. But everybody has to find their own connectivity to the spiritual side of the human existence. We, we, we're all different. We're all very unique. Um, but there is not just one road uh, that is appropriate for everybody. I, I really I really appreciate that you say that. I, I just remember spending some time recently with Curtis Dickman. And, and Curtis, as you know, is, is, uh, is legendary in our spine world. And, you know, he, he was so physically active and he started to get, obviously, a lot of uh, physical constraints, which is not any secret that he, he just felt like he had to slow down and he turned to painting and, and his paintings are actually pretty, they're quite marvelous actually. And, uh, and I think you're right, right? You, people need an outlet of creative, creative or physical expression and, uh, neurosurgeons by definition are, are curious and driven, I think. And, and you've obviously sort of manifest in one way and other people's do another. So, so thank you for getting that message out to our listeners, because I think it, it can be very, um, as again, it can be daunting just hearing about the stories coming out of various institutions. So thanks for sharing that. 
Well, Dr. Spetzer, the ancient Romans had a saying to represent the ideal for their citizenry, which was mensana insano corpore, meaning a sound mind in a sound body. And I think our discussion today about maintaining physical fitness, about maintaining a positive outlook through the difficulties of life or the difficulties in the operating room, really resonates with that ancient ideal. So, Dr. Spetzer, thank you so much for sharing your time and your experiences with us today. On, on behalf of us and our listeners, it was truly an honor to have you on the Neurosurgery Podcast. Thank you, sir. My pleasure.